Hey, listen, how many would say, let's start this off with a question. How many would say, now I need you to be honest, but you would say that you're naturally a planner. You like to plan things out. Hands up in the air, good. That's a much better response than 9 a.m. Because maybe two people, and I thought, when he goes to building this church, we are skay rude. We ain't got a shot. That many planners are in this place. Uh, but you're a planner. How many, okay, how many, I know it's Christmas Eve. You say, I, all my Christmas shopping is done. I don't have to go to the store for anything. Raise your hand. Now, okay. Now, how many would be honest and say, okay, as soon as the service is over, I got to go to the store. <laughs> you are not planners. Let's go ahead and clear the air. You, you, you are not a planner. But here's the thing, whether you consider yourself someone that plans it out or doesn't, I think we can all agree we hate it when plans fall apart, our plans. Or things where, come on, does anybody, you just enjoy it when your plan gets just shot to pieces? Because if you do, then we need to pray for you later. Um, but whatever it is, you don't like it. And here's what I'm convinced of. I'm, a crowd this size, there are people in this building, those watching online, you have some things going on in your life right now that were not planned, unplanned, things that hit you. Maybe you didn't plan on um, there being an empty chair at the dinner table this year for Christmas, but you lost someone. Maybe you didn't plan on having to split your Christmases between parents. Come on, can we be real and honest? Maybe you didn't plan on that medical bill coming in. Or maybe you didn't plan on this health issue that has hit you. You didn't plan on being separated or divorced. You didn't plan on losing your job. Can we be honest? Guys, listen, even good church-going Christian people, when things like this hit you, can we be honest and say, it, it can shake your faith. It, I mean, it can with something like that that you weren't planning on hit you out of nowhere. It can cause you to say, God, what's the deal? What, what, what is happening here, God? What's, what's going on in my life? Last, last week, Pastor Amanda did an incredible job uh, in, in our Christmas Unwrap series talking about the baby Jesus. When it comes to unplanned, I want to talk about two people that are really important in this story as well. Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph. They, there are a lot of things that happen over the course of a few months in Mary and Joseph's lives that they definitely did not plan for. When they wrote out their plans, these were not part of them. I, I'm talking about it was one thing after another. It was like an avalanche of things. Anybody ever been there where it's like one thing after another hits you? And you're like, God, when is this ever going to stop? That is the course of Mary and Joseph's lives over these next few months. And there's some details of their lives that we aren't privy to. We don't know the details, so we're left kind of to imagine. For instance, how did Mary and Joseph meet? Anybody ever thought that? Just me. Okay, that's fine. I'll go with it. I mean, how did they meet? There were no dating apps, no social media, no, uh, maybe there was single mingles, I don't know. 
But, uh, so, but how do they meet? We don't know. So I would like to imagine how they met. And um, my wife has already heard this, so this doesn't worry her as much as it did the first service when I said I want to imagine how they met. Uh, and listen, this is not in, you're not going to find biblical references for how they met. So let me just go ahead. This is KGV, Kelly Goins' version of how they met uh, there. I imagine kind of like this. You know, Mary, she loves God. She's active in her local youth group. And she shows up one Wednesday night at 412, student ministries. She shows up early because it's her night to serve. Well, lo and behold, they've got a special guest speaker that night a guy by the name of Joe. Come on now. Yeah. She, I mean, Joe is passionate. He's dynamic. He's easy on the eyes. And in the middle of his teaching, Joseph, he, old Joe notices Mary. And it kind of gets him off guard. He kind of loses his place in the middle of his teaching, has to get back on. But he notices her. Well, after service, after small groups, Joe's hanging out talking to the student pastor. And he sees Mary again. Their eyes lock. The room stands still. And then suddenly music begins to play. Uh, again, that's not you're not gonna find biblical references for that, so but that's the way I see it happening. And they begin to talk. They exchange numbers. And he said, hey, we're going to meet up at the local coffee shop, Hebrews Cafe. Come on. Come on now. That's an easy one. That's an easy one right there. And if you brought somebody, you're thinking, thank God that was the end of that joke. Let's go on. But they meet up and what they meant only be like a half hour conversation. It turns into two hours, three hours. Before you know it, they have closed the shop down. I mean, talking and talking. Well, she talked and Joe listened. Um, <laughs> they find out many things about each other. I mean, like she finds out, hey, Joe, he loves God. She finds out not only does Joe love God, Joe's got a job. But not only that, see, Job, Job's not living in the basement of his parents' home playing video games all day. Um, Joe's got plans. <laughs> Joe's got plans. He's got dreams. And Joseph, he finds out some stuff about Mary. She loves God. She's hot. That's all he found out. That's, that's it. That was it. But man, Joe's been praying for God to send him the right one. And he leaves that coffee shop thinking, she's the one. Mary's been praying, God send me the right one. She leaves there thinking, He's the, he is the one. And it doesn't take long before they're calling each other up on their phones. And then they're saying, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. I'll hang up. No, you hang up. And then they're using the L word, love. I love you. And Joseph decides she's the one. So Joe gets all of his friends to plan the perfect moment. He gets his buddy who's got a long zoom lens to help him capture the TikTok or Insta moment. Got to. 
He takes her to their favorite place, and he point, he's like, point, oh, look at that over there, Mary. She turns to look at it. When she turns back around, Joe's on one knee holding that ring. Mary, will you marry me? Mary, will you marry me? Okay. I didn't think about that the first one. And she says, you know what she said? I, I kind of envisioned in my mind that she kind of has a sharing voice. Thank you, Jesus! No, she didn't say that because Jesus hadn't been born yet. But she says, <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> but she says yes, and so the wedding planning begins. And, and I mean, Mary's mom, she's kind of a takeover mom, so she kind of starts planning it for them, tells them this is what kind of dress, you're not like that. Yeah, uh, you're not, this is not confession time. Uh, we're not a Catholic church. Anyway, uh, she starts telling her, hey, this is the dress you're going to wear. These are your colors. Here's the flowers. Here's a song we're going to dance to. Here, uh, here's a, she starts laying it out there, and they begin planning their future. Isn't that normally what happens when you get engaged? You begin to plan the wedding. You begin to plan your future together. That's what Denise and I did. We talked about when, when we got engaged, we began to talk about what life might look at like. She began to tell me because she had a daughter, she didn't want any more kids. And I lied to her and told her I was okay with that because I knew I could convince her otherwise. Um, this was, you got to see me 32 years ago. Come on, this is... But we had our plans. We talked about we want to own our own home one day. We want to build our home. We, we had plans for our lives. That's what engaged couples do, right? They plan their life together. You begin to talk about that. And that's what Mary and Joseph did. Him being a carpenter, I can see him thinking, hey, what kind of house do you want to build? Because, man, I've got this. We can save money. I'll build it for us. I've got my eye on some property uh, that, that is uh, close enough that the in-laws can come and visit, but not so close that they stay there all the time. You can tell whose in-laws are not here by the amens. But they talk about how many kids they want to have. They talk about, hey, what are we going to name them? And they begin to plan out their lives. But as the old saying goes, it says, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Tell him your plans. And Mary keeps dreaming about her wedding day, her future with Joe, and then an angel shows up. Luke chapter 1, verse 30, 31. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And the beauty of that story is great, but I have to wonder what was going on in Mary's mind. I mean, she's like, how, how is that going to happen? Me and Joseph, we've never been together. I'm a virgin God. How is that going to happen? And the, the, the angel doesn't really make things any better. Because the angel likes, oh, yeah, and you're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Can we agree this is really an unplanned pregnancy? Come on. And, and after talking with the angel, though, Mary comes to her. Uh, she finally concedes to it and says this in Luke 1, 38. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
Then the angel left her. How do you think she really felt in that moment? I mean, we know she says, yes, be it according to your word and and all that. But what was really going through the mind of a teenage girl? I mean, I think she was saying, how how am I going to explain this to my fiancé? How am I going to explain this to my mom or my dad, my friends, the community? Nobody's going to believe me. Heck, I wouldn't even believe me. Come on, think about it. And and how am I going to explain this? Mom and dad, think about how you would respond. Even if your daughter loves God, is at church every time the doors open, reads your Bible every day, prays, how would you respond if she comes to you and says, Mom and dad, I'm pregnant, but the Holy Spirit got me pregnant. Yeah. I mean, I want you to, these are real people dealing with real things. How would you respond? How do you think Joe, her fiance, is going to respond? I mean, let's look at it. Matthew 1, 18, 19. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. I think it's fair to say that when this hit them, this thing that they had not planned for hit them, it threw their life into a whirlwind. I'm talking about a whirlwind of questions, of frustration, of shame, come on, of trust issues. I I mean, I think it threw them into that. Joseph is thinking, how am I going to tell my mom, my dad, my friends that my future wife is pregnant with somebody else's baby? And Listen, you don't think Joseph's devastated by this news? You don't think he's angry that he doesn't believe her and he wants to find out who the real dad is so he can go track him down? Come on, isn't that what we would do? Come on, man. If if you're a man and you say, I wouldn't do that, you need some more testosterone in your body because they have not dropped yet. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And Mary, what's going on through her mind? I mean, I mean, she, she's going to she's be thinking, he's going to divorce me, and that means I'm going to be forced to raise a child as a single mom all by myself. The townspeople are going to talk about me. I think she's got to be asking, God, I, what's going on? I think that's where some of you are today. You're walking through some things that you did not plan. And maybe you were getting, finally getting ahead financially. You thought, man, we're going to have a great Christmas for the kids this year. Then you get hit with a bill or the transmission goes out of your car. This is not what I was planning. Or maybe life is moving forward at a good pace and then you suddenly start getting sick. 
you start feeling like things are not all right. You're trying to everything you know to do to make things better, but the doctor is not giving you the reports you want to hear. This is not in your plans. Maybe you didn't plan on battling depression for the most part of your life and living a life where it's like a cloud that just hovers over you. Maybe you didn't plan on having to raise your grandkids because one of your kids got caught in addiction. Or maybe you didn't plan on having this addiction take over your life and you having to give your kids up to be raised by somebody else. Things you didn't plan. Things you weren't looking for. And we could go deeper. You didn't plan on being molested or raped. Come on. You didn't plan on, getting, on, on having an abortion. You didn't plan on wrestling with your sexuality or your sexual identity. Those were not things you planned for. You didn't plan on being on, on divorce number three. Those are, that's not in the planning. And I don't believe there's a person in this room that, act, that cannot relate to things not going as planned. And there's some of you that are going through that even right now. And here's my big point for this entire Christmas Eve message. If we can grab hold of this truth, I've only got two points today. But if you're taking notes, if you can grab hold of this truth, I'm telling you, when you're in the unplanned seasons of your life, this will help you. It's this, I don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. I don't have to, I don't have to understand the plan. I know we want to understand the plan, right? We, we want it laid out for us. Sol, but Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, he said this in Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We can plan, we can plan, we can plan. But if it's not the Lord's purpose, man, my wife is a planner. When, when we go somewhere, we're planning our vacations or trips, she wants to know, even if I plan the trip, she then wants to know, okay, where are we staying? Where are we going? Well, I mean, me, I am, if you was to call me next Sunday after church, say, hey, PK, I got front row seats to the Tennessee bowl game down in Orlando. We're going to have to drive. I'll be like, babe, I'll see you later. Have some friends come over because I'm not going to be here this New Year's Eve. I mean, I, I'll, I'll get him to go. But if I'm the one that's done the planning, I don't like a wrench thrown into it. Are you with me? Even in, even in our staff meetings, the staff will tell you this. I've got an agenda. This is what we're going to talk about in the order. And if one of them gets ahead of me down here, I'm at number two and they're down here at number eight. Hey, hey, we're going to talk about that in a minute. I've got an agenda. I've got a plan. And I really, I don't, I don't want to use the word hate. I really disdain, dislike, I guess, yeah. Pete, like if I've planned something, put it together, and then somebody shows up and tells me how it should have been done differently, I'm going to tell them like my dad used to say, hey, I like it better the way I did it than the way you didn't do it. <laughs> and maybe if you'd been here during the planning, instead of just showing up when the, when the wagon was going down the hill, help push it up the hill. Well, that's a message for another day, but let's keep going. We've got guests here today. Let's, 
Let's be nice. Mary and Joseph had plans. And in a moment's notice, those plans were thrown out the window. Joseph wants to try to respond to the news that he's just been given that his future wife is pregnant with somebody else's baby. He wants to respond nicely and righteously, but he's like, I have no other choice. I've got to divorce her. And that was Joseph's plan, to end the marriage quietly, not bringing humiliation to himself or the woman he loved Mary. But God had a change of plans, Matthew 1, 20, 21. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Look at this. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I, I love, I think the angel knew, I didn't even think about this at the first service. Ben. I think the angel knew this was tough news for Ben, for, for Joe to take. So I think, listen, I want you to name him. This is the name you're going to give him. This is what he's going to be called. And I think it's like a light bulb went off in Joseph where he's like, okay, this is God's plan. Mary wasn't lying to me. She wasn't covering anything up. This is, this is God's plan. And if God is the God I know and love, then I know and I can trust that he has a purpose for all the confusion, the questions, and the pain that we're about to walk through. Plans. Anybody else have plans for their life when you were younger and now that you look back, they're not what you thought they'd be? Let me tell you some of my plans. Keep in mind, these were my plans, my plans. I grew up in a musical family. Uh, everybody in my family played instruments. Uh, I can't remember a time that I didn't know how to play something. I mean, that, that's the truth. I grew up playing music, loved music, played in many different bands. Uh, even after my stint with the famous Ken Goins and the Spiritual Explosions. Get that album. It's still out there. No lie, I've had people call me. They found it at the Goodwill down in Dayton. And I'm like, I'm so proud. But no, anyway, my plans. I had my own bands after that. We recorded albums. My brother Stephen was in one of those bands. I mean, I had plans. I was going to be the next big musician, singer, songwriter. My plans led to me being divorced at 20 years old. So what do you do? Well, Kelly, come up with another plan. So I come up with another plan. I'm going to go to Northern California. And I'm going to live with an uncle that I had never met before in my life. I just knew about him. But I knew he had a construction business and he would give me a job. So I loaded up. Me and Stephen drove what should have taken us four days. We did not stop driving. I would sleep, he would drive. He would sleep and I would drive. We just drove and did it in 24 hours. And I moved out there. My plan to work, operate heavy equipment, play in some of the local clubs there. Those plans led to my vehicle being repossessed in the middle of the night and having to ask my mom and dad to pay for a plane ticket for me to get home. 
And my plans led to all that. And God would use my brokenness that happened from my plans to lead me to a church in Cleveland, Tennessee, where I would meet a single mom by the name of, name of Denise Belk. That I would be married to her 32 years later. No, no, we would be married and celebrating 32 years later. We didn't wait 32 years to get married. Although I do look good for my age. So let me say this. That brokenness would lead me to be put under the mentorship of a Pastor Rhonda Davis who would teach me what real worship was that would then catapult Denise and I into an area of, of being worship pastors that we, we didn't ever think was possible for us. We would serve at different churches. Our plans, our plans was this. Hey, be worship pastors at whatever church God sends us. Uh, get royalties off some of the songs that I've written. Uh, that, was, that was our plan. And God had different plans. In 2011, it began to reorder and lay out different plans for us. Because I'm going to tell you, being a pastor was not in our plans. I won't even say it was the last thing on our list because it was not even on the list. There was nothing in us that desired, wanted to be pastors. We were happy being worship pastors. But as we look back over things that we didn't plan, we look back over things that broke us, we see God's hand using those things to guide us to where we are today. And it was in the middle of those things that we learned. We don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose, church. And I'm going to tell you, when I look across this room at the different people in this building, and I know the stories of different people, I'm so thankful that God didn't stick with Denise and my plan that had a purpose through it. So thankful for that. Let's, let's unwrap this and I, I'm going to be closed. Somebody ask Bubba to come on up. Because I know we make this Christmas story to be some Hallmark movie moment, but I really want to dig into what really happened. Mary's pregnant with the Son of God. God has visited her and Joseph and said, this is my plan. This is, this is God's plan for your life, right? And we all know, if you've been raised in church, Marty, you know this. If you're doing God's plan, everything's going to go smooth and easy. If you grew up in a Pentecostal or charismatic church, you heard it like this. God's will, God's bill. I can tell I, we do not, these people have not raised in their charismatic church. But that's not the case. Just because it's God's plan doesn't mean things are going to be smooth. Uh, I mean, let's think about Mary, who's almost nine months pregnant, gets put on the back of a donkey, travels uh, close to 100 miles. That doesn't sound easy. I mean, all I had to drive was five minutes up to Cleveland Hospital with my wife. That wasn't easy. I can't imagine 90 plus miles. But they did that. Then they finally get there. And you would think because this is God's plan, God called ahead and got them a room reserved. 
but there was no hotel, motel. I, see, you're not the only one that can do it. So, <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> I had to do it, man. I had to do it. But no room at the end, right? I mean, everywhere they're going, no vacancy. Isn't that the Christmas story we know? They, they get there. She's nine months pregnant, about to have her baby. Can't get a room at the end. But let's look at the story again, Luke 2, 7. And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in where? Come on, where? No room for them in the end. Uh, if you know the story, where was Joseph going? Back home. Where's family's from? Where's people's from? Chances are he had family, had friends there that he could stay with. He didn't need a holiday and he didn't need a hotel. And here's the thing. The Greek word used there for in, in this passage, is kataluma. Here's what it means, a guest room. It's a guest room. So let's look at it again. Luke 2, 4 through 6. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go back to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Get this, while they were there. Say that. While they were there. The time came for her to, baby to be born. While they were there. While they were where? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary didn't just show up that night Bam, a baby born, and that was it. They had been there for a few days. I mean, they had stayed with some friends, some family, maybe in a guest room. So then why does it say there was no guest room? In 2022, I had the opportunity to go with a group of pastors to Israel. And uh, our guide there, we began to talk about this uh, the trek, and he began to tell us, talk to us about this. And he said there was there are a couple of reasons why they would have said there's no, no guest room. One, their guest rooms are not like what we see. All the rooms were open, so there would have been no privacy. Second, he said, she would have been considered unclean after giving birth along with Joseph for touching her and anything that she and Joseph touched. With everyone coming back home to Bethlehem, there would have been a lot of holy services and festivities that Mary, Joseph, and anyone else that touched him would not be allowed to participate in for 40 days. So you got a teenage girl, pregnant, that's ridden over 90 miles on the back of a donkey. She spent a few nights with some relatives or friends. She gives birth. She doesn't give birth in what we see as a nativity scene. She gives birth in a stinky cave next to a bunch of farm animals. Now, ladies that have had a baby, does any part of that planning process sound like something you would have planned in a way to have your baby. No. But let's add to it, that wasn't stressful enough. 
find out that now the king, king Herod wants their newborn baby dead. Again, I want you to realize we're talking about two real people, two real moms and dads, and they find out the king in their area wants their baby dead. And now when they can't find him, the king orders the murder of every male child under the age of two. And they go on the run headed toward Egypt. Well, let's fast forward 33 years. Mary, the young girl that said, yes, God, let it be done according to your word. Yes, God, I'll do whatever you ask. That same Mary, 33 years later, is now standing at the foot of a cross looking up her son who's been stripped naked and beating, beaten so bad the Bible says she is unrecognizable. He is unrecognizable. That young mother that said yes to God is now looking on And I don't know what she's thinking, but I can only imagine as a parent the agony she must have been going through. And she must have been looking, God, this isn't fair. God, he didn't do anything wrong. In fact, he did everything right. Why? She stands there, watches them spit spit on him, hurl names at him, mock him, say things like, you've saved yourself, why can't you, or you've saved others, why can't you save yourself? She watches and listens to her son say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then she finally watches him say, it is finished, and breathe his last breath. I can't imagine the grief she must have felt in that moment. I mean, Denise and I lost a son, but I can't imagine raising a child, then looking up, seeing this child brutally beaten, knowing they were good, they were righteous. Here's what we need to understand. Mary and Joseph had a plan. God had a purpose. hear me Mary and Joseph had a plan God had a purpose do you know what that purpose was see I know we say this and I know I know the the, the meaning behind it but we'll we'll say hey uh, Jesus is the reason for the season come on y'all know that right you've heard it I have a feeling if we were to ask God God what is the reason for the season would have a different answer I think you'd say you know one another reason for the season you you're the reason I sent my son to die you're the reason I heaped all of sin of humanity upon him you're the reason he died a criminal's death you're the reason for the season See, Mary and all Jerusalem, the Jews, they, they had this picture, their, their plan of how the king would ride in. Their, their Messiah would come in, not as a baby, but as a man, right, as a king, victorious. 
God had a purpose. And his was for his son to strip off the Godhood and become man and suffer as we did. Matthew 1 21. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, God's purpose, because he will save his people from their sins. Go ahead and stand with me. I get Jill to come on out. Maybe you had a plan for how you thought things would go in your life or your child's life. And maybe you've hit some unplanned areas. Maybe you're in the middle of an unplanned area right now. See, here's what I'm not going to do on this Christmas Eve. I'm not going to tell you that the pain, the questions, the frustrations aren't real because I know from experience they are very real. But what I am saying is this. Just because you don't know the plan, don't think you can't trust He has a purpose. I'm going to do a couple different altar calls this morning. I'll say this real quick. Bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here, now really hearing that God's whole reason for this season was you. And you not surrendered completely your life to Him. Maybe you saw religion and you thought, I don't, know, I don't want any part of that. I'm not here to try to sell you on religion. I'm here to tell you there's a way you can have a relationship with Jesus. Where he says, come just as you are. Bring your brokenness. Bring your mess. Bring your failings. Bring all that. You don't have to clean up before you come to me. Bring it with you. And let me cover you. If you're here today on this Christmas Eve, you'd be honest and you'd say you know what I don't know Jesus I don't have a relationship with him I've tried religion but I don't have a relationship with him and I want to change that this Christmas Eve and I want to fully surrender and give my heart and alive to him if that's you with heads bowed eyes closed just raise your hand I want to pray with you right where you're at had a relationship but you walked away you walked away and you're not living the way you should be living and you know you need to reconnect with God today you need to reconnect with him and today's the day you want to do it if that's you just raise your hand come on yeah yeah I see you back there yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, I'll see you back there in the back. Thank you. Thank you. you put your hands down. 
what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Jill to sing this song. If you raised your hand for any of the things I said just now, I'm going to ask you to make the best step you can make this Christmas Eve. Step out from where you're at and come up here and let us pray with you. Can God do it back there? Absolutely, He can. I'm telling you, there's just something that happens. When you, out of faith, begin to take steps toward the destiny and the future, you won't. And He loves you so much that He gave His only Son. That's it, they're coming. You don't even have to wait. Come on up here. Can we get some people to pray? Hey, Pastor Ben or Casey. Chad, yeah, yeah. We've got another one over here. This young lady over here. And if you want to, today's your day to rededicate. Today's your day to give it your heart to him for the first time. As she sings, come on up.